1: since we have had the most awesome interviews, and we are looking forward to this episode as we bring on a state center from the great state of Rhode Island. First of all, I'm Denise Borges, and I'm joined here by my co host, the awesome Falcus chairperson, Angela Costa Simões. Hi, Angela.
0: Hey, Denise. Good to be back. Yeah. Few episodes. <laughs>
1: so. That's right. It is good to have these live episodes as we feature Portuguese Americans who are in public office throughout the United States. We have, as I mentioned, the honor of having with us uh, the uh, state senator from the state of Rhode Island, who is uh, Jessica de la Cruz. And Jessica um, is a Portuguese American. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about her uh, role and her Involvement in the political sphere. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us senator.
2: Thank you for having me I'm excited to uh, be on today
1: and so tell us a little bit about your history, um, your Portuguese-American aspect, and uh, your involvement there in Rhode Island, please.
2: Yep, so my, my history is I'm a first-generation American. So my dad is from the Azores, from Pico, and my mom is from Adata, from Punchal, And they met here in the United States at East Providence High School, and I believe it was an ESL class that they met. Okay. And then the rest was history. And <laughs> uh, a few years later, comes along myself and my brother. You know, I had uh, a really great childhood surrounded by the Portuguese community. And I'm really blessed to say that I was born in America, but my heritage, my Portuguese heritage is so rich and I'm so proud of it. And, uh, you know, I was just so thinking, I was just recently talking to someone about growing up and not even speaking English until I started school. And uh, I I was so, you know, there's such there's a back and forth about, you know, do we, is that good for students? And, you know, I think it was so important for me because I can still speak the language. I can still speak to family in Mm -hmm. Portugal and, you know, obviously I'm fluent in English as well, but it was, I think it was so important and and I'm so grateful to my parents that they kept that heritage and and that Portuguese um, background so strong.
1: Indeed. And so you were, um, born in the United States, but your parents made that uh, wise choice of uh, keeping Portuguese in the family because if, as uh, as we uh, who are involved in language teaching know, if it's your first language, you hardly ever lose it. So um, you were born and raised there in Rhode Island. You were involved in the Portuguese-American community from birth. Basically, tell us a little bit how you got involved in public service. What drove you to this world that sometimes is not as glorious as people think it is of of serving, but uh, we believe here, politicus, that it is. A noble cause. Yes,
2: yeah, so I may be a little different than other Portuguese American legislators, I'm not sure, but I was always civically engaged. I knew that it was very important to uh, be involved. My parents were, you know, eventually became US citizens, they were very proud to be Americans. And so I, it was important to me to be involved and have my voice heard at the State House and, and, and having my voice heard. Um, you know, by speaking to legislators. I got involved because I applied for a license to carry in East Providence and um, I was denied and I had to take my case to the Supreme Court, but I won in Supreme Court, uh, but I still had issues and the, the situation really rubbed me the wrong way and I was not at all happy with the process and i thought you know this is a constitutional right i've i met all the requirements that rhode island has set forth um and so i was at a second amendment meeting uh, with like-minded individuals and representative sherry roberts of the house she said jessica you know we need more conservative women in office and i think you should run and i said oh no i am not a politician <laughs> i don't you know i'm happy to have my voice heard and, and go to the state house for rallies but i thought of politics as you know dirty business and she said no but we need good people in office and i think you should run and she was really persistent and, and and kept with me and uh you know one night i was really wrestling with the thought and uh you know i was talking to my husband and he said you know jessica if you do it i will support you 100 percent." and with three kids i'm going to tell you i need that that i need that 100 support you know and uh mm-hmm. and i really thought to myself i can do it i can throw myself into this race and what's stopping me? You know, if if I can be part of a solution and I'm not part of the solution, then really, you know, it comes down to you're, you're not, you're part of the problem. So I said, I'm going to run. I'm going to throw everything I've got at this. I'm going to give it my 100%. And sure enough, there, you know, November you came along and I won.
1: Yeah, uh, tell us about your district a little bit. So what is your or your senate's district? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, uh enlighten us a little bit about the uh, rhode island Uh, state senate. So you have two houses, correct? Yes. Or is it just one two houses? We have the, so tell us a little yes. bit How many how many senators and a little bit about your district as well, please.
2: Yeah So there are 38 senators in rhode island. I represent district 23. I cover all of boroughville gloucester and part of north smithfield and um it's a rural community. Mm-hmm. I would say that my values definitely line up with the district's values, uh, being that I'm, I'm more conservative, and you know, am pro-Second Amendment. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that the voters uh, saw that and that they gave me the opportunity to serve them here at the Statehouse and be their voice.
1: And so this was your first run for public office. You had not run before into a local level, like some people will step into a local level or, or a school board. You just jumped right up to the state Senate.
2: I just decided I was going to write. You know, I, I think ignorance is bliss. You know, if I if I had run for town council or dog catcher or something like that, I may have been like, no, I'm right about this politics thing. But um, I would say there's there's so much power. In, in, the, in encouragement, especially from an elected official to say, you know what, I see something in you and I think that you could do it. And so frequently when I speak to people, I say, you know, I was just a regular person, just going to the state house, having my voice heard concerns, you know, uh, uh, to, to my senators. And, you know, I had no, no experience as a public official before, and you can do it too. And uh, I'm hopefully, hopefully more people will run this year in Rhode Island.
0: And so to Dedeja's to point about you jumping right to the Senate, what have been some surprises or, you know, did you have any expectations about what it would be like? What have been some of the positive surprises? Any any yeah. uh, not so positive things that you have said? Well, now that I'm here, I'm going to try and change these things. Sure.
2: I'll start with the good. You know, when I look at national politics, I see a lot of uh, contention, a lot of fighting between the two parties. And so, you know, I assumed that was the same case here at the Rhode Island State House. I will say that there, I have found some really great people here at the State House who truly care about Rhode Island and want to see Rhode Island a better place for our children. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. You know, they're Democrats, they're Republicans, they're really good people. So I would say that I was very pleasantly surprised that it was not the same kind of atmosphere that I see happening in D.C. Rhode Island, you know, where, it's a small it's a small knit community i mean i say community but it's a state it's like you're you know so many people you're connected in so many ways but i will say that we had a very contentious vote this year uh surrounding uh, abortion i you know no matter where you stand on the issue it was it just went down very poorly uh there was just maneuvering that was uh Lack transparency, um, you know, Common Cause Rhode Island said it was unprecedented what we did here in Rhode Island and not in a good way. So that, you know, that experience definitely just, you know, disappointed me.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit also about your district as far as it relates to the Portuguese-American community. So is there, it's a more rural district, as you said, not, you know, like uh, the city of Providence, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so is there a a particular influence of Portuguese-Americans in your district?
2: I would say not very much. So uh, from East Providence, which we call Little Portugal, um, you know, we have a high percentage of uh, Portuguese-Americans per capita, Um, I think. I think second to Massachusetts. Don't, don't quote me on that. I'm not exactly sure, but it's a very high percentage. So, you know, when I'd go to school and I'd have a pop sick with cagey uh, <laughs> all the other kids had that too. You know, uh, if I had grown up in, in North Smithfield or Burville, I don't think as many people would have that same kind of lunch and think it was normal, but, um, there are Portuguese, uh, Americans here. Um, some of them very excited, you know, the, that I ran and they're, happy to see me in office. I will say that the president of the town council in Burrillville is actually, he grew up in East Providence and he's Portuguese American as well. So there, there are just not as many as I would say East Providence.
1: Right, so there's a, there's kind of a close to the community in East Providence and some other areas also of, of Rhode Island. But as uh, do you find it that as uh, such as yourself and others as first, second, and even third generation Portuguese Americans uh, become much more integrated in American mainstream than they tend to kind of get out of the traditional Portuguese areas? That happened in California yeah. in when the last twenty years. You think that's going to happen a little bit as well in the East Coast?
2: Definitely, I see that because, you know, I, I just look at the class that I graduated with, you know, people are living in Cumberland, they're living in Lincoln, um, they're, they're moving all over the state. But what's great about Rhode Island is Rhode Island is so small, and we can mm-hmm. still, you know, get to the feasts here, you know, the, the Holy Ghost Trinity uh, Brotherhood, wherever it is, we're maybe half hour away, you know, so we can still be tight knit.
1: Right. Other than your, uh, your your passion for the Second Amendment, is there any other causes that have uh, driven you now that you're in the state senate that are important to you and that you feel may be important also to the Portuguese American community in general?
2: Well, I would say... Um... Socially, I'm I'm a conservative person. I think that most Portuguese people are socially because um, of such a strong Catholic background and being so religious and and adhering to you know scripture. So I would say you know I've got a, a I would say I'm I'm socially conservative. But some of the issues that that I'm tackling this coming year specifically is something called the energy facility Siting board. Now it's not you know. Uh, <laughs> something that's going to capture everyone's attention, but it's really important to my district, especially Burrville. They wanted to build a power plant there and the town of Burville was uh, vehemently against it. They said, you know, we already have a power plant in our town. We don't want those emissions in the air. We want to preserve our green spaces. And, and so they were going to clear cut uh, hundreds of acres of forest. And uh, it was an uphill battle and this uh, company had never lost A battle you know they had gone before the energy facility setting board and other communities other states and have been successful so our little sleepy town of Burrowville. you know is david goliath's story and david won and we're overjoyed but so this year i'm working on legislation that makes the process fair for the community and for um anybody else involved so if a developer wants to come in they have clear expectations of what needs to be presented to the community and to the state and, um, and also giving the uh, local municipality a voice in the process as well
1: in in Rhode Island uh being a conservative in Rhode Island is uh, the Republicans are they a minority or a majority or how does that play up right now in in the state senate and in the assembly as well
2: In the assembly uh so I would say that there are equal parts you know by um, um uh, there's five Republicans in the Senate and there are nine in the House out of 75 so I would say we're a super major- a super minority and I think only uh Hawaii is probably uh, more democratic than Rhode Island.
1: Okay, and so how how do you maneuver being a uh, in a minority party? How do you maneuver getting some of that legislation that's important to you, such as this one you just mentioned uh, about uh, about the the, the energy uh, situation? How do you maneuver that to get your voice heard as a as a minority?
2: That's a great question. A question I got at the door, which was you're not you're not a Democrat, so how are you going to persuade them as a freshman? to pass this legislation. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that this legislation is going to pass. I'm very hopeful. I decided that since I didn't have that political capital and I didn't have the relationship of, you know, my predecessor was here for 20 years, that um, I wasn't going to be able to walk in and say, hey, you know, this is my legislation. It's really great. You should trust me. Um, So I decided that I was going to try to get everyone who had an interest in the legislation. So if it was, you know, Department of Environmental Management, if it was the Department of Administration or the governor's office, who National Grid or whoever it was that wanted to talk and uh, had any concerns or they were, um, you know, for the legislation. I wanted to hear their concerns so that when I went to leadership, I could say, so I've talked to everybody that has a vested interest in this legislation. And I think this is really great for Rhode Island. So we've got a great working group um, and I'm very hopeful that this year, despite, um, you know, being my only second year in office, that we can pass meaningful legislation that will impact the entire state, but in a good way.
1: How uh, And your term, uh, Jessica, uh, your term is what, every four years or how? And there and, and is there ter, are there term limits in uh,
2: So they're every two years, even the Senate. Uh, so every other year I'm running for re-election. So this year is actually my re-election year. And there are so new... You're
1: constantly- you're constantly campaigning, almost basically. constantly.
2: If you don't realize that, it's like you get one year of uh, you know legislation and of working as a legislator, and the other year your 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 reelection campaign. So, and yeah. there are no term limits for senators and okay. representatives.
1: Okay, so yeah, it's like in California, we have the same thing with the assembly every two years, and it just seems like people are campaigning constantly. The state centers get a little bit of a break because they every four years. They, they they like that. Looking at some of the uh, things that you're in, involved with, looking at your background in the Portuguese American community, I know that you participated as well in the uh, FLAT legislative dialogues in, in Lisbon this uh, this last uh, spring. And tell us a little bit about your experience. It was your first experience at the legislative dialogues? And uh, FLAT is a strong. Support Porter of uh, Politicas and Palcas. and uh, what do you feel was important? What was your takeaway from those two-and-a-half days there uh, in Lisbon?
2: Yeah, I was so honored to, to be there because, you know, uh, I never thought that I'd get to meet the president of Portugal, and I did, and he was uh, very pleasant, you know, very knowledgeable, and obviously very well-liked uh, in, in Portugal, so it was an honor to meet him and the other legislators from around the country uh, with Portuguese uh, heritage. I would say I probably really enjoyed also the, um, the breakfast at um, Senator, uh, not Senator, excuse me, Ambassador Glass's home with just about what was happening uh, re- relation-wise between the United States and Portugal, how China is pairing up. No, I shouldn't say pairing up, but you know, China cozy up with Portugal. And it was just really eye-opening to see what was happening in Portugal and the United
1: States. So mm-hmm. the networking with the other legislators was that important for you as well to kind of meet people from different parts I mean, I knew you you knew some of them from your neighboring state of yeah. uh, Massachusetts as a, a great big percentage of, uh, of Portuguese-Americans, but you know, there were people from Pennsylvania and Connecticut, etc. So yes. uh, how important you think is that that in, uh, in In connecting with other folks that share may not share your political views, but they do share your eth- Ethnicity and they share the passion for public service, obviously
2: I, I think it was immensely helpful because there was actually one individual there um, from Virginia and I uh, was able to connect with him, uh, just find out what kind of uh, legislation and what he was submitting in Virginia and uh, kind of just like bounce ideas off of each other. So I think, uh, and even when I was there in Portugal, some of the mass legislators from Massachusetts, uh was able to speak to them about what they were doing. And we didn't, I I would probably say we didn't agree on most topics because, you know, we're on opposite sides of the political spectrum. But we had great conversation. And, uh, you know, at one point, one of them said, you know, we're going to have this uh, fair in in, uh, Massachusetts. You should come. It'd be great. We get the families together. And I was like, sure. So I think it's a great networking opportunity. And uh, despite where you stand on uh, your beliefs, it's, you know, you you still have so much in common.
1: As we come down to the end of our of our podcast, and I thank you again. I know Angela, thank you as well for um taking the time to spend with us and our listeners. One of the things that we always like to get is a little bit of uh, of your call. Attaction to young portuguese-americans. Most of our listeners are portuguese-american and they are young and uh, we Independently if one is a republican a democrat an independent whatever wherever you are on the political spectrum uh, The important thing is to have a voice Uh, I have a friend of mine who says that if you're not if you don't have a seat at the table You are the menu. So in order (laughs) for us not to be the menu, we better have a seat at the table so in in your words a little bit of a call to action, a little bit of a motivation uh, to young people who are involved and who may just want to jump right into the state Senate as <laughs> you did or or run for some school board or uh, town council etc so how how would what would you say to young people that are kind of thinking about it but are not sure what is important uh, for one to get involved for one to be heard independently of one's uh, political uh, leniencies?
2: yeah. I would say, um, get involved, absolutely get involved. And it doesn't matter how you get involved, but just get involved. Because if you don't uh, really, you you know, the the saying goes, you don't have the right to complain. You you should get involved by connecting with your legislators, letting them know where you stand on the issues, holding them uh, accountable for their decisions. I would say, you know, when you're looking at a candidate Maybe you don't want to run for office right now, but maybe you can help a candidate run for office, and you can learn from them. And they can start to 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 invest into you and pour into you. And as the next generation to come in and 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 pass legislation, I would say it's your duty as an American to serve your country in any way you can. And if that means running for office, do that. If it's um, you know uh, going into the military, do that. If it's um, a, Whatever it is, whatever you feel that you are called to do, uh, I would say don't hesitate on that. Maybe you're not going to jump in right into the state senate, um, but you can start somewhere.
1: Do you think that by some of the of, of, of all the divisiveness that is going on nationally, and even at some state levels as well, you know, in, in different states of the union, um, it kind of drives off uh, young people from getting involved. I just don't want to hassle with it. Yeah. And I know that, of course, uh, we need people from all age groups, and we're not just, you know, asking young people, you know, we can be someone who is 60 years young mm-hmm. uh, and believes in, in, in getting involved. However, how much do you think that all of this divisiveness is actually... Having is it having a positive or a negative influence in, in, in uh, young people getting involved from your perspective as also a, a young Portuguese American?
2: Yeah, I would say as a young Portuguese American that that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to get involved into politics because when you look at it, it just seems so divisive and and I didn't want to put myself into an atmosphere in which there was so much tension and, and anger, but one of the things that i try to live by is that when i have a conversation with somebody regardless of you know as i go into conversation i might know hey you know what maybe they're pro-choice and i'm pro-life but when i go into a conversation i want to go into a conversation with the intent to understand the other person not with the intent to respond and i think if we go into conversations with the intent to understand the other person on the other side of the table we can have a better conversation we have an honest conversation and and Under try to understand where people are coming from. If we're just, if we're just attacking someone and we're not truly trying to understand where they're coming from, then that's part of the problem, I think.
1: Do you think that that kind of, uh, you know, having your feet in the ground and basically just standing your own ground independently of hearing other people, which is not your case and thank God for that. Um, do you think that that's, that's been maybe a thing that is going away with an older politic that younger folks such as yourself Independently of where you're at are a little bit more open-minded to other things
2: You know, I I can't say for sure uh, What exactly is happening or if that is exactly what is happening behind closed doors because it also could be that the sometimes, you know, the media sensationalizes things and behind closed doors, things could be very different. Um, so, but again, it also could be that you know there are politicians who don't like each other, and then they you know feed sure. off that sensationalism. Sensationalism. Sure. I'm not sure. I can only speak to really what's happening here in the in the Rhode Island State House.
0: Right. One of the things, kind of going off of uh, Denise's question about you know what would you tell young people that wanted to get involved, but what's um, your uh, I guess opinion or or take on the impact that we can have as a, a national community having more Portuguese Americans in office at all levels because you know I don't know if people have any idea of really what our footprint is as far as the national uh, having you know people holding office that are of Portuguese descent according to our records and this is you know very unofficial data just based on our research you know there's less than four hundred Elected officials elected and appointed officials uh, across the country that are portuguese-american. So it sounds pretty low Yeah, and so what's the impact that we can have when we have more people? Representing our community and of course they're going to represent The the interests of their entire constituency, right? Mm -hmm. But having people who are of portuguese descent more of us in office, what kind of impact does that have?
2: The impact is that they're able to reflect what the community wants, and when we don't have representation, say, you know, we'll use these provinces as an example. If you don't have uh, representation for what your beliefs are, what your core values are, then I feel you're underrepresented. And so I really hope, with this census coming up, I know there's um, Portuguese counts. I was talking to uh, Maria Flavery. Is that how you pronounce her last name?
0: Um, Marie Fraley. Yep. Fraley mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: um, I love what she's doing. Uh, you know, we need to 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 be able to know how many Portuguese Americans are here, but also encourage them to run for office. Because there are so many, and even if they're in those little pockets of, you know, California, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, as they start to, to this population starts to spread, we just—I don't know how to to uh, motivate them, but I implore them: run for office, uh, uh, because if you want to see a change, you're the person to be that change.
1: Right. And that's a great that's way to end it. That's a great point. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Senator Jessica La Cruz, for this uh, enlightening conversation. Thank you for your take on things. Thank you for your passion uh, for public service, because uh, it, that, is, that is so important, as Angela mentioned as well. Uh, best of luck to you. Hopefully, this is only the first step. So next will be a run for the Congress, I'm sure.
2: Oh, <laughs> I haven't even finished my first year, so
1: well, in politics, you yeah. have to think in long term, okay?
2: Uh, you know, politics is uh, is a very long uh, two years is a very long time, and a lot can happen. And uh, you know, it's funny people already asked me that, but I tell you I'm very content in district twenty three representing the people, fighting for the people, having their voice heard at the state House. That is my passion, and I'm so happy to be here.
1: Well, we're happy that you're there, as uh, and we're happy that you're also not completely shutting off the idea of running for Congress. No, no. <laughs> no. So, uh, hopefully, that uh, you'll we will all be very content when you are the next uh, Congressperson from uh, Portuguese American Congressperson from uh, from when, uh, Rhode Island. So, anyway, best of luck to you. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us and our listeners. Thank
0: you, Senator. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And again, thanks to all of you for uh, joining us, Angela. It was, uh, again, another exciting podcast with uh, the State Senator Jessica Cruz from the state of O'Reilly.
0: Yep. And so for everybody out there, if you haven't hit subscribe already, please subscribe to Politicus. Share this with your friends and family and, uh, you know get them to to join as well. Please, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes that will help more Portuguese Americans find us uh, on iTunes. And um, with that, until next time, Denise.
1: That's right. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on another edition of Politicus.
0: Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palcus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palkus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus@palcus.org. at palkus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palcus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso American Development Foundation.